Hey, AfterBuzz TV listeners, we want to share your opinions. Give us our feedback. Tell us what you're thinking. Send us a voice message. Voice messages are an easy way for you to send us audio that might end up in a future episode of our After Show. They're the latest feature from Anchor, the platform we use to publish and distribute our podcast to you for free. You could send us a voice message about all sorts of things, like questions you have for us, what you think of our format, something you want us to do better, anything you can literally think of. We'll see all of your messages, and we might add them into a future episode. Episode. Anchor makes that part super easy. You can send us a voice message right now from wherever you're listening. Just tap the link in the show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. Today on TED Talks, we're talking about insecurity. Stay tuned. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hey, what up, AfterBuzz? It's your boy, DJ Jesse J. Welcome back to Talking TED Talks. Super excited. Unfortunately, Yasmin could not be here, but uh, I'm going to hold the fort down. Today, we are talking about TED Talk, saving yourself the cost of insecurity. And you know it's my favorite when they can come in studio. Ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause for Miss Chantel Anderson. Hey! Hey! You're everything. I'm loving this whole look. Oh, well, thank you, you so much. You got crystals around your neck. <laughs> All right. Very LA vibes. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so, we, I mean, a little before the show, I was telling you, like, what... I loved about this TED Talk, and it was just, again, your relatability factor and sharing your experiences, because if yeah. you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, Miss <laughs> Chantel is not only uh, a former WNBA player, uh, but she is one of the top sales rep in her field, and also, then now she moved over to being a uh, coach for confidence. Yes. <laughs> Which we're going to get into a little later because she got this dope book, you guys. Check this out. <laughs> Design your happy. And when my favorite thing is quotes, and I love... I was looking through this like, okay, oh, my Instagram about to be popping. Hey, come on. <laughs> There's a quote at every single page in there. I picked them intentionally so that they would inspire. They inspire me, and so I want them to inspire everyone who uses it. So. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we always do this thing called Teducation, right? Okay. And it's like the one thing that like out of all of it, what did I walk away and kind of just stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I think for me, the one that stuck in my head was, and actually you didn't say it, but it was the first thing that popped in my head yeah. based off what you said. And it was, I went to Beyonce pretty hurts. Okay. Reason being is you, you sat there and you talked about your struggles and that you, how you as a little girl didn't see you, mm. you, we are all born. Yeah. With confidence. Yes. Screaming, kicking, mama, no, don't do this. <laughs> Saying whatever we want. Yeah. Listen. And as we get older and yeah. we don't see our likeness around us, we start questioning ourselves. Absolutely. What age would you say you were when you first started questioning, getting those questions in your mind? You know, it started really early for me. I grew up uh, on the West Coast, uh, primarily in the Pacific Northwest, Uh and there wasn't a lot of people there that looked like me. Uh, And also when I started to get really tall. So I'm sitting down. You mentioned I played basketball. I'm six foot six without heels on. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> Can I borrow like three of those inches? I'm about six eight right now because I do have some heels on. But I, I was very, very tall. And so I stuck out. I didn't look like the people around me. All the pretty popular girls looked nothing like me. And so I started to really question myself. I would say as early as second or third grade. Yeah. But when it really got bad was middle school because by that time I was wearing glasses. It took up half my face. I was I was on the math team, which automatically took me out of the cool club. Yeah. Like I had no hope. Um, <laughs> it rained all the time in the Pacific Northwest, so I had black girl hair. I didn't know how to do it. So there was just a lot. I didn't have a whole lot going for me at that time in in the pretty department. Now, uh, did you grow up with both your parents? Um, no. What was, fam- so, what was family life like for you? Yeah, no, that's a good question because that all feeds into, you know, the representation and what we're seeing. So my parents got a divorce in um, when I was in third grade. And so I lived with my mom for a little while and then moved back up to Washington State to live with my dad and his uh, new wife. Mm. And it was interesting because so both my parents were black and then my dad uh, married a woman that was white. And so I didn't really have that. I mean, she was amazing, but I didn't have that strong black female role model that kind of looked like me and could be like, baby, it's okay, you know? Yep. And then I looked around my surroundings and I didn't see that either. So uh, I would say that that had a lot to do with just me missing out on that representation. Um, now, okay, so let's get into this. So where do insecurities come from? Clearly we just stated growing yeah. up, our surroundings. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time is, you know, with me, I grew, I grew up... Uh, gay and but mm-hmm. not really being able to express that because I didn't see like-minded again like-minded yeah. people around me other yeah. than what was on TV and what was told about people like me through the church. Mm-hmm. And so there comes that time like you state where you have to break your past. Yeah. circle or mm-hmm. what your thoughts are and create who you are and create that that you know really find that independence so for you when did you start real when was that switch of realizing that oh these things aren't real yeah no that is man that is such a great question and we all have to grow into who we are and who we were made to be yeah correct and um i remember i heard this quote one time and it says i hope um or it says decide don't decide who you are before Um, shoot, it's become who you are before you decide who you want to be. And that's what it is. Become who you are before you decide who you want to be. And for me, the, the defining moment was when I met Lisa Leslie. And at that point, all the cool girls, they were the cheerleader types. They were, you know, not black. Um, they were, you know, curvy, had a lot of money. And then Everything that made me different, it wasn't cool. But then I met Lisa. She is tall. She's black. She's skinny. She was a baller. But at the same time, she was a model and she was gorgeous. And for the first time, I realized that because she was all those things, I could be all those things and still look like me Mm. because she looked like me for all intents and purposes. Right. And so that was kind of a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, wow. What age were you when that kind of... That was that was sophomore year in high school. Wow. Where I was like, okay, everything that makes me different is special. Mm. You know? And that do- that doesn't mean that all of a the sudden I was confident. <laughs> Come on. No, but but that was a step in building confidence in that area. I was like, okay, it's 
it's okay that I'm tall. It's okay that I'm an athlete and uh, that I'm not a super girly girl, but at the same time, I can still be feminine and play sports, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that was important to me. So then take me to, uh, we're going to get into your seven questions, but I want to know the second step. So that was Mm -hmm. your first step of realizing realization. So sophomore year. So now you have this light bulb. Mm -hmm. What was the next moment for you where you were like, okay, how do I apply this light bulb idea to my life? What did that happen in the same year? Was it kind of like you look back and you're like, oh, I wish I I knew this in 10th grade because I did the same thing. I was like, oh, I was was thinking these things then, but I didn't apply until I'm saying that now. You know, I don't think there's one moment where you just become something. And yeah. confidence for all of us is a journey where we're just growing in every single day. And it's it's kind of like a workout plan, right? You're not going to go to the gym for a month and be like, yes, I'm in shape for the rest of my life. Yeah. You're going to continuously work on it. And that's what confidence is, right? And so I would say just playing basketball and seeing that who I was and how my talents were a good thing Mm -hmm. and being around a community that celebrated who I was and what I did and then working hard and finding out the actual work that it takes to make your dreams come true because a lot of people want their dreams come true some of us don't find out how much work it actually takes but I was in a really good situation where I was like okay I'm gonna be put myself in this situation and I was forced to work my butt off and it kind of just meshed all together and I was you able realize to your build. purpose, God, why he put you on this earth. Yeah, is that, you I know, like I was... There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I was... These were my talents, and I found a way to use them. Mm. And I believe that everyone has the ability to be great at something. But the problem is that we don't find it and we settle sometimes along the way for what we can only be average at. And then we're not fulfilled in our life and we're never going to be confident at something we're average at. Yep. Instead of really chasing our gifts and our strengths and then becoming great in those areas so that we can be confident in that. Uh, Gary V had this thing where he said, some, it was an interview I watched and he said, they said, well, you... You give all this advice and these ideas away. Yeah. And they said, aren't you afraid someone's going to take that and then take your place? (laughs) And his reaction was, people have been giving the same advice over and over and over. The problem is, people will take the advice in, but they won't actually apply it. Yeah. Would you say sports was something that helped you with that uh, being strict and kind of creating mm-hmm. that routine because as soon as I watch this, we're going to get into the seven questions. Yeah. I literally wrote each question on a post-it and put them in my bathroom. Oh my because gosh. I thought that they means were, so much. No, honestly, I thought they were so great yeah. and these are the questions that I stumble with myself. It's things that it's like you think you are doing well in this area, yeah. you know, but then when you read that question back, it's like, you know what? I actually want to ask myself this tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually want to see mm-hmm. what happens. And, you know, that's actually yeah. hilarious that you created a journal, too, because I think that your answer changes daily. Oh, yeah. When, especially in the beginning of, of this journey. 
Oh, yeah. And um, as far as confidence, like I said, it's a constant building of it and fighting insecurity. Something happens and it makes you feel insecure and then you got to go back and fight with your confidence and fight for your confidence in that area. And so what the seven questions do is they they break down uh, what the seven areas of confidence are. And so, like, for example, I can be really confident in how I look, but if I'm not also confident in what I bring to the table other than what I look like, then... Uh, when a pretty girl walks in and she has anything but looks or somebody else thinks she's prettier, then all of a sudden I'm going to be insecure because I'm not confident in what, in what else I have to yep. offer. So we got to build confidence in both of those areas. So that's where it comes in. All of those seven areas are independent of themselves. But then when you put it together, you can be more confident as as a whole person. Um you gave these numbers. 67% of women don't feel confident as leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this climate with the sh- the sh- that's on the news right now. <laughs> <clears throat> How, what's advice you would give to women out there who struggle with that? You know, they're watching the news and now things are being taken mm-hmm. away that are so personal to yeah. them. How can I feel that I'm a leader, especially being a, a, mm-hmm. a black female yeah. in a world where, you know, it's they, they should popped it up on the screen. It was like 38 old white men talking yeah. about, well, guess what? You're going to have the baby. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as far as getting past breaking those barriers, what's advice you would give to women? That's a that's a great question. Uh, one and of understanding the, their leadership, understanding their leadership yeah. and being confident in their leadership. I would say, um, you know, you have to make sure you have a seat at the table and do what it takes to get a seat at the table. And sometimes that is hard because we know that the patriarchy and the good old boys club and all of that, obviously you saw that graphic there, Mm -hmm. you know, um, however, uh, like you said, you mentioned that stat 67% of women say they need more confidence in feeling like they can be leaders. Um, there's another stat that says, when jobs are posted, a woman will need feel like need to feel like she has a hundred percent of the qualifications to even apply for the wow. job. Whereas a man will apply if he feels like he has sixty percent. So basically, a job's posted, and men are like, check, check, ah, uh, nah, nah, check, nah, nah, check, ah, uh, what the hell? And they'll and they'll apply anyway. And then um, a woman will be like, check, 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 check. Oh, man. And she won't apply. Wow. And so, yes, it's the patriarchy. Yes, it's the good old boys club. But at the same time, um, we hold ourselves back. Mm. And as women, we need to be very sure and very intentional about building our confidence intentionally so that when we do get a seat at the table, we are confident enough to speak up there and to use our voice. Now, with social media being as big as it is, where you live in the what I call the keeping up with the Kardashian land, yeah, um, you said ninety six percent of women won't call themselves beautiful, yeah, and that's a study by Dove. Dove said only blew 4% of women. my mind because yeah. you know it, it actually really didn't blow my mind because I look at the standards in which we've if you rewind it back and you look at the standards of beauty, right. Mm-hmm. Blonde, 
Tiny Waist, Marilyn Monroe, mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian, you know, you yeah. can go down the list. Pamela Anderson, like these are the Cindy Crow. You have to be this skinny, this size, this, this. Uh, you know, where would you say, as well, you know, I'd, I don't know, I go back and forth because people are like, oh, it's all Instagram's fault. And yeah. I'm like, even if you take Instagram apart, oh, wait. The bigger companies have been marketing this idea. Absolutely. Right? So how yeah. how do you desensitize from that? Yeah. I honestly think Instagram, it while it has been difficult in a lot of ways because it has kind of painted this fake facade and, um, you know, allowed people to put a perfect picture out there, it has also expanded the standard of beauty mm. because it has given a platform to so many different types of beauty. Whereas before, we were prisoners of what the media chose to show us as beautiful. So I think Instagram and, and social media is a good thing in that way. Um, what I do is I make sure that the women that I am looking at are kind of in my lane as beautiful. Hey, After Buzzers, if you're listening to this, you obviously already like podcasts, and I'm going to go ahead and assume that you like music too. On Spotify, you can listen to all of that in one place for free. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts now on every topic, including the one you're listening to right now, as well as other shows that After Buzz TV does on all your favorite TV shows. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcasts so you don't miss an episode. You can download them when you have the internet to listen to them when you don't, and you can share what you're listening to with all your friends. All you got to do is go to the Spotify app and search AfterBuzz TV, followed by whatever TV show you love, because we cover over 150 different series a week here. You can even browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Make sure you follow this show because you never want to miss another episode of AfterBuzz TV. Uh, For example, you know, going back to Lisa Leslie, she was in my lane. If Kim Kardashian is my definition of beauty, then I'm always going to feel too tall, too black, too skinny, too broke, too, 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 all of these Mm. things, right? Uh, But if I go to someone like Gabrielle Union, who is also beautiful, who is, you know, thin with an athletic build, who has, you know, brown skin, a big smile, black girl hair, always rocking a great weave. Like, listen, she's someone that can make me feel better about how I look because of the way she looks and because of the amazing things that she is doing looking as she does. And it's so funny actually you say that because in my mind you said to this, to that, to that. It's almost add that to the Me Too movement. Yeah. Because guess what? Yeah. I'm beautiful too. Yeah. Me too. It's and like the the other side of it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. great Kim Kardashian, yes, beautiful. But me too. Yeah. And I think it's I think you're right. I think with Instagram we all the past few years we have been targeting like, oh Instagram is making us see this and this and this. But we talked about in our first talking TED Talks with uh, yeah. Bailey Parnell, and she talks about safe uh, social. Mm. Eliminate what is negative. And yep. you actually, that's actually one of your things is letting go of some. Sometimes it's hard, but some yeah. people can't come. They yeah. can't take the ride with you because their expectations, they aren't doing the work. And that can, how that can affect you as yeah. a person. Was, was that, how hard was that for you, lesson for you? And how did you come across that? realization like oh crap like you've been my road dog but yeah um man that that is hard and that is one thing i talk about is letting go of sentimentality 
because sometimes like there are people that you genuinely love or that you genuinely appreciate for certain things, but they are dragging you down yeah. and they are making, they are breaking you. I was having a conversation with one of my friends the other day and it was just like, you can never heal if you continue to go back to something that is breaking you over and over and over again. And for us, we have to do that in our in our everyday lives, but we also have to do that in our social media. Yeah. And one of the things I tell people is um, to do the unfollow challenge. And so what I have done is I have unfollowed every person who makes me wish my life was different. Now, I do follow some people that make me strive to be better Mm -hmm. and inspire me to be better. But if I'm scrolling through somebody's timeline and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so ugly. Oh, my gosh, I'm so this. I'm like, nope, I'm going to unfollow that person, not because she's a bad person or he's a bad person, but because I don't need that. You know, I need my social media to be a place where I can safely go and be inspired and encouraged to be the best me. Because it kind of is a vision board. It should be that one. It should be that. And so I encourage people to do that. Um, Relearning confidence. You know, this hit hard for me because Mm -hmm. um, I've always taken myself as a confident person because growing up like i told you you know i grew up with two very religious parents who were had the very immigrant mindset of like work hard if someone does something bad to you don't react mm-hmm. you know karma will get them and you just keep pushing forward and whatnot and so i think i shoved a lot of crap down mm-hmm. below and then when I, I i fell really hard you know to look back in the mirror mirror was a difficult thing and saying yeah. okay well I was confident, then all these things were put in my face, and I felt defeated. Yeah. And when you look back in yourself, you know, what are some tools, right? So you Mm -hmm. said these seven things were the tools to rebuilding confidence. So let's go through the first one. Okay. Question number one, how do you see fear, and how do you deal with it? You said, do you chase it, or do you run from it? Mm -hmm. Where did this stem for you? Like, as far as being like... You know what? I've been running for this from this for so long, and I'm going to stop. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to actually turn on it, and I'm going to chase it. Yeah. Well, so I've had a life of um, chasing fear in a lot of different ways. I mean, I moved all the way across the country uh, after high school to go to college from Washington State to Tennessee. Um, I remember when I graduated from college, I had to fly. Um, the WNBA season is so short that a lot of times we'll go over to Europe and play. And so I signed in Hungary. I didn't even know where Hungary was li- literally on map before I went there, right? And so I, I cried my eyes out the first hour of that first flight to Hungary because you literally get on a plane with two big suitcases and go all the way across the world people you don't know pick you up and you're in a country for what? seven months this is like hostile have you seen that movie <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they're nice right no they were great but um so i was really scared so i in some ways i have chased my fear but then there, there were other things like the example i gave in the in the ted talk there were a couple examples where uh you know i was faced with a situation that could have been really great for me But instead, I chickened out and I went home. Yeah. You know? And for us, we have to make sure that instead of looking at fear as a bad thing, fear is actually a good thing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, fear hangs out with anything worth doing. Like, you cannot be doing something new, doing something better, up-leveling your life without some fear. And so I just started hearing people say, oh, be fearless. I'm fearless. 
That is a lie. Anyone who tells you that they are fearless is flat out lying to you. I don't care who they are, <laughs> right? And so I wanted to kind of let people know, no, none of us are fearless, but we have to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. We have to chase our fear, use it more as a compass instead of something that we need to run away from. Now, you teach people confidence. So there's, are there moments where you have to, to even to today, give me a moment like today where you have to still check yourself like, uh-uh. We gonna chase this. We gonna yeah. Don't be scared. We gonna do this. How do you? How do you? You know, but because a lot of the times, you know, we get. I watch a lot of the TED talks, and Mm -hmm. you know, one thing about you that I loved was it didn't seem like you were, you know, coming in. You know, you have all this knowledge, and you put in the time and the work, but you still came down to this level of hey, I'm relatable, and I want to talk to you. So. Do you still go through those moments and how do you, what's some advice that you would give to someone today just to take a first step in that direction of chasing their fear? Heck yes, I still go through that. I made this this confidence curriculum because I needed it Mm. and all of my friends that are high achieving, amazing women, we all had these conversations too. Mm. And so I am a student of my own course and of my own philosophies and so, um, Yeah, I mean, just even coming on TV, I'm like, okay, let's go. I know all this. I don't have to practice it. You know, free flowing. Just open your mouth. You know this stuff. You know, just that pep talk walking in here, we all give those to ourselves. All, every single one of us. You know, I was was trying to figure out what I was going to wear today. And I was like, okay, is this okay? Is this okay? You know, maybe this outfit... We all have those conversations with ourselves where we question ourselves and then we have to choose to have the conversation saying, no, I am good enough. I do know this stuff. I can speak from memory. I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to trust my personality, mm. which is what my friend or my sister Kristen says all the time. Trust your personality. Um, and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So we all do that. I love that. Two, how do your thoughts and feelings on your looks affect your perception? (laughs) I love this question. And it goes back to, you know, the standard of beauty and what we talked about earlier. You know, if I don't feel beautiful, then it is going to impact how I interact with every other person. And whether that means I'm going to be shy and more quiet, or whether that means I'm going to be loud and trying to get the attention that I don't think I'm going to get because I don't feel beautiful, Mm -hmm. right? And so for us, we have to make sure that we appreciate our beauty in our lane, right? And we act accordingly. And you also, in it, you talked about, you know, working out, you're like, okay, it's not just going to happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. with this one, this is a step that I'm going to take yeah. from it. Because for me, with working out, I'm not, I hate it. Oh, yeah. I hate the gym. <laughs> it smells, it's disgusting. <laughs> I don't want to lift weights. I want to be outside, do fun things. Yeah. But I have, but I want to be healthy. I want mm-hmm. to do certain things. And, you know, my biggest thing is that I put weight on, right? So, yeah. With this one, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to love myself the way I am, yep. knowing that every step I take will mm-hmm. lead me to where I want to be. But we have to take those moments to like stop and say, yeah. hey, this is beautiful. This is us. This yeah. is who we are. Yeah. Number three, how much of your confidence comes from inside versus outside? And we kind of touched yes. on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But... You know, you you spent these years, you said, from what, second grade to sophomore uh-huh. to where the outside was affecting. And your first kind of aha was being a sophomore. Yep. Um, today, 
give me an example where you still again have to check well you, you check yourself like even yeah. with your outfit or whatnot like how, how what's another tool that you use in this manner to kind of be like wait is that my how i really feel or is how is this a yeah. an illusion yeah because sometimes the outside tricks us to make us think wait do i feel that way actually right <laughs> Yes, and this one is all about um, appreciating what else you bring to the table other than your looks. So uh, one time, it was a couple years ago, and I was at a video shoot. And it was a video shoot for my own brand, but I brought in like an amazing team. I had you know a stylist, a makeup artist, a hair person, like all these like the A team, right? But there were all these super artsy creatives, and I always wanted to be like that cool artsy creative vibe. It's not me. <laughs> At all. Like, I'm not that. But I always wanted to be, right? And so I started getting insecure. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're way cooler than I am. Like, what am I even doing here? And this is a shoot for me. And these people are here because you're cool and we're going to help you. (laughs) And so I literally had to stop for a second and be like, hold on. I do what I do. Mm. What I bring to the table, I am good at. And that is the thing is our team will only be as strong as our ability to remain unthreatened by excellence. So here's the thing. If I am intimidated by the fact that you're excellent, then because I don't think I'm excellent, then I'm not going to want to work with you. But if I'm confident in what I do, then you can be great at what you do and we're going to vibe and we're going to flow and it's going to be great. Now, I want to kind of play with that a little Mm -hmm. bit with not uh, confidence. I would say more competition. So you Mm -hmm. play basketball, which is a competition sport. So you are competitive. Super. And (laughs) I go through the same things. You know, uh, for me, it was soccer. But there are times where I'll work with somebody and it's like, Jesse, you don't even paint. <laughs> like what you what you looking at this person for? Like, well, wait, how are you doing that over there? Yeah, I, I want to do this. I'm gonna be a painter. It's yeah. like, wait, what? So, do you, just do you feel like some of that stems from that competitor? That uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about how you know we have this animal st- animal instinct inside of us of like. Yeah to survive to be the best to be that you know does uh-huh. had that kind of ever played with your feelings with like sports and then seeing how that kind of falls much. over into real life yeah very much so i am extremely competitive to the point where my dad won't even play cards with me anymore <laughs> um <laughs> are you like one of those loud ones or like bam start what? shaming people no. <laughs> oh no all <laughs> oh, right my dad won't play cards with me anymore. Super competitive. Um, and it's it's both a blessing and a curse, yeah. right? Because I have to make sure that while, while my competitive nature has helped me be as successful as I am and in certain things, I have to make sure that I am still staying in my lane. And at the end of the day, it's not about competition in a lot of situations. It's about collaboration. Hey. And so we need we need to be secure enough in our own greatness and in our own skills and what we bring to the table that we are not too threatened to collaborate with other people that are excellent at what they do as well. Girl, that was a quote if I had ever heard. That's not about, <laughs> That's about collaboration. <laughs> um, okay. Third, four. Yeah. Would you bet on yourself depending on how hard you work? Mm, this... This one, so this is probably the thing that changes like daily for me because uh, my coach told me one time in 
in college, he said, Chantel, if you weren't so smart, you'd probably have better grades. And it was because I... (laughs) Well, it's because he was saying, like, you don't work hard enough. You you just ride on your talent. Mm. That's basically what he was saying. And so for me... Because I have set up my life, I've designed my happy to do what I'm good at and to do the things that I'm naturally talented in, then sometimes I can um, be tempted to just let that be enough. And I have to remember, no, everybody is talented out here. Everybody, especially in L.A., everybody is beautiful out here. And we got to grind. Yeah. And that's the thing is if somebody took away your talent, if somebody took away all your connections, all your money, all your everything, like, do you work hard enough to make it anyway? It's interesting, too, because I look at, like, the school structure, right? Public Mm -hmm. school structure. And, I mean... I wish I could get in there and shift some things around Listen, in some courses that because I, I don't know when I've ever used trigonometry ever and, right I don't, you know I what I mean for the <laughs> x plus y and z what no light bill plus water bill plus no um but it's interesting because if you think about that you know I look at a lot of kids who get put in these special programs because they're a nuisance in class or because mm-hmm. you know they aren't doing their best because they're coasting by. And a lot of it is because they're bored because they actually can do what they're being taught at a faster pace that they almost, again, aren't doing the work. Yeah. And I would love to see some sort of that. See that. I think that that, that's a conversation that you brought up that isn't being spoken about. And I think that you can, that can be applied to the school system. No, I, I totally agree. I actually had that happen to me when I was in seventh grade. Um, my grades went from A's to D's. Hmm. And instead of calling my parents in and my my um, teacher going off on them and, you know, throwing me under the bus, he said, look, Chantel is bored. This work is too easy for her. And but we don't have the program for her. She needs to go to this other school. Wow. And the next year, my parents took me out of that school and put me in this other school that had a challenge program. And my my um, grades went right back up to A's. Wow. So I am actually a, a proponent of that. I think that's so true. And I would love to see our school system do something about that. Yeah, that's a great that. teacher to, that stepped up to Man, say that. for real. <laughs> Five, does your circle help you be more confident letting people go? It might actually have to happen to help yourself. Yeah. This yes. is one that's hard for me right now, you know? It is. It's, it's hard for all of us. And it, it comes from sentimentality. It comes from, well, they're a good person. They're trying. You know, we're all broken. And here's the thing. Uh, if I just redid my carpet, right, in my house, and my friend comes to the door and they are covered in mud, am I going to answer the door? Yes. But am I going to have them get cleaned up before they come in and walk all over my brand new carpet? Absolutely. Mm. And we have to realize that that is okay, that it is not judgmental for me to say, you know, you have a lot going on. I will be here as a friend, but I really have to put some distance between because at the end of the day, I I don't want to get all muddy. Yeah. You did the work to undo that. Yeah. And if... You know, I'm here to help you, but if you ain't willing to do the work, yeah. I can't let you in. Exactly. That's so funny. See, mine was with my parents. Mm. And it, that's, that's hard. It is when it's family, you know. It wasn't mm. about disconnecting 100%. It was about saying, hey, mm-hmm. right now I can't think like that. 
Yeah. Because if I think like that, I'm self-deprecating myself. And, you know, then sometimes then when they realize it, they do do the work and Mm -hmm. it takes a little longer for them. So that's why I don't don't block people out. Yeah. But sometimes just, you know, a little space. I love that. And it's about managing the relationships, you know? Um, Number six, do you enforce your non-negotiables? Listen. When did you create this list of (laughs) non-negotiables? Uh, it kind of created itself over time. Uh, you know, you put up with something and then it hurts you and you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that no more. What's your newest non-negotiable? Oh my gosh. Like this, my... this, like in the past month or two, what's one that you're like, you know what? Yeah, you know, that's kind of, I'm going to add that to the list. <laughs> um, being willing to uh, 100% support who I am. Mm. And, you know, I think I always uh, had that, but just being willing to be like, you know what, this is me and I need to, I need someone to love who I am. Uh, I think I posted this on Instagram the other day, like whoever I date needs to love the fact that I'm tall, black and brown, period. And and that's it, (laughs) you know, so somebody having to, you know, being willing to love and appreciate who I am as I am. How do you, how do you hold yourself accountable? Um, well, it's, again, it comes back to your confidence. It comes back to your self-worth because at this point, I believe that I am worth that. You know, there's another quote, we accept the type of love we think we deserve. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I deserve someone who appreciates me as I am. And so I'm not going to settle for less. Now, at one point... I didn't believe that, and so I did settle for less. And so I had to grow in my own confidence and self-worth and identity um, to get to that point. But if you are not there yet, then I would say have people around you, because that's one thing that really helped me. Before I was confident enough to believe certain things, I had people around me that I trusted enough to believe them when they said it. It's funny, because you know, you, in, in the TED Talk, you talk about how... Your coach made you go to this speech class. It was oh like, gosh. yo, you're doing this. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Were there other... Now, obviously, that was kind of forced on you. Yeah. What, when What was something that you for, checked yourself and forced yourself? Like, you know what? I'm not a pottery. I'm not into pottery. But I'm yeah. going to be dedicated to learn how to. Like, something along that line. That you mm-hmm. forced yourself to be like... I'm gonna put. I'm going to put myself accountable and put myself in this so it yeah. will help me grow. Yeah, I would say in going after entrepreneurship, I had no, I knew I had always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I started out writing a book and then I turned it into an e-course and I, I didn't know anything about So going about from the, sales to? Going to sa- yeah. from sales to entrepreneurship. Uh, I wasn't sure how to do that. I had no idea about the e-course market. I didn't know it at all. But all I knew was that I had something to teach people. Mm. And I kept having all these conversations and with women that I knew I could help. But I didn't have time to have all of these individual conversations. Yeah. So I was like, okay, how do I make something that will help people? And then that was the rise of the e-courses and all that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. So I think putting myself in there to learn how to kind of um, make an e-course and and put this confidence curriculum there. And then on top of that, how to build a speaking business on top of that. And look at that. Learning it. From not wanting to speak to how to build a speaking business. (laughs) Plant the seed and watch it grow, honey. Um, Number seven. 
how are your past experiences impacting your present view? Oh, my gosh. This is, out of all the questions, this is the hardest one and the most important one. Because a lot of us are walking through life seeing everything we look at through the lenses of our past experiences. I got burnt. Yes. I got I got hurt. I um I got hurt by this person, so all people that look like this are going to hurt me and I'm done, you know? Mm. And that's the thing is we have to make sure that we um at least realize what is clouding our view so that we can see people and situations as they are. <laughs> Um, you talked about uh, your relationship with men versus women in this discussion. You yeah. said, you know, I would hear it from a woman. I didn't really take it seriously. But then when I hear it from a man, mm-hmm. um, why? Yeah. Did, why, did, why, why was your mentality that when, you know, the discussion is 67% of women feel that they aren't confident as leaders or that they're not beautiful? Why, yeah. why would somebody have that thought? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, for me, it stemmed from I didn't have the best relationship with my mom. Um, there was a lot of stuff that went on at home. And so when a woman would say something to me, a woman in a position of authority would say something to me, I would automatically take it as an attack. Mm. But a man could say the exact same thing, and I would take it. I would listen. Question. So with your dad remarrying a white woman, your mom being a black, and you having that situation with your mother was Mm -hmm. that was that even deeper to as you got older Mm -hmm. and kind of connecting like oh i view black women in this way like because a a lot of uh i'm most of my friends are black females and a lot of the discussion that we have is i don't know why when she says something like it bothers me yeah you know and it's almost hating on yourself like you're hearing this and when you see that because of how they were raised or whatnot so Mm -hmm. did that ever kind of come into play or was it women in general and men or was there this other subculture breakdown i think there was there was but for different reasons so there was um the women so my stepmom like got it when we moved to live with them like i was awful to her i was the worst child ever because i didn't want a mom that that hadn't worked just now like i don't want you there and so she is an she's a saint you know (laughs) but i was terrible to her um but growing up in vancouver washington there were not a lot of black um women black role models at all for me and I always talked like this. I always talked very properly. I, uh, you know, all that. And so I got made fun of a lot by the black girls at school mm. for for acting too white. And so I had this attitude like, okay, well, if acting like you is going to act black, then I'll act white and be proud of it. Like, I do not care. And so there was that dynamic where I looked at black women or black girls at that point a certain way. Yeah. What changed that was going to the South, honestly, to college. I went to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is an amazing academic school. Um, And there was, I, for the first time, saw black women that lived the difference between being ignorant and being black. Mm. They were smart. They were educated. They were classy. And they were black and proud of it and did not act like white girls, but were amazing. Yeah. And I was like, wow, 
See, that's the kind of black girl I'm talking about. Like, that's who I want to be. And yeah. I felt like I always was. That's always like, it gets me. It's like, oh, you speak white or you speak black. I'm like, if you really look in the world, <laughs> I don't know if it's all fully about that. Right. Um, okay. So we got to wrap, but I, we, we have to have you come back because you're freaking awesome. <laughs> but you. I want to talk about this. You have this book out. It's a journal called Design Your Happy. Yes. Tell us about it. Where can everyone pick this up? Yes. So Design Your Happy, it is your vision board on paper. So the first 10 pages are a 10-step process on how to uh, basically architect, be the architect of your ideal life. Mm. So I walk you through step-by-step step how to create your own have-it-all plan. Uh, and then the rest of the journal is notes for the journey. So there's a quote on every page, and it can keep you going. Literally, you guys. And I <laughs> want to say my favorite quote from your TED Talk yeah. was, you have everything you need <laughs> to get everything you need. Yes. <laughs> Boom! Where can everyone follow you and keep in contact? Yes, follow me on Instagram. It's at Miss Chantel, M-I-S-S-C-H-A-N-T-E-L-L-E on Instagram. And uh, my website is confidentlyhis.com. That's where you can find the journal and everything else about me. Boom. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You guys can hit us up across all social media platforms at Talking TED Talks. Also follow the network at AfterBuzz TV. And then hit me up at DJ Jesse J. Till next week, same time, same place. Peace. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 